あ、すみません。ドンデスカ。トイレット。すみません。ちょっと英語が。あ、トイレか。トイレ、いや、だ、だつ。次。I What was your guys' favorite Looney Tunes character? Go. Wile E. Coyote. Tasmanian Devil. Um, I don't. I never. I don't really like Looney Tunes. What? What? Yeah, I, I would much rather. I mean, I would watch it just because it was on, but I was like, man, I'd much rather watch other shit. Transformers. Thundercats. Man, you hated comedy fan. from day one. Did you like Tiny Toons? Tiny Toons is alright. I like the go down the hole. Oh yeah. Everybody was quoting that at school for like a month, man. That was like the Dave Chappelle of our age group. Yeah, it was. was yes. Like funniest shit. He said, water go down the hole. God, Plucky dude. duck. Plucky yes. was my dude, man. He was like Bart Simpson, but a <laughs> duck form. And he was green, man. I'm going to get a Plucky <laughs> duck tattoo. <laughs> Holy shit. With water a cartoon bubble was saying yeah. that. Water go down the hole. Welcome to episode 130 of the Superhouse Podcast, everybody. This is Andrew coming in from Los Angeles, and I once again got Joey with me. Yo, yo. Maddie. What's up? And Stefan. Oh, hello. <laughs> and, okay, so this week we're going to be talking about the top 10 gaming conspiracies. Video game conspiracies, yes, they do exist. And then we're going to be doing the top five weird games <laughs> that's gonna be interesting i think weird and then joey's got a non-spoiler review of upgrade coming at you at the very end of this episode so let's get right into it uh i'm going to be reading off the uh, this uh top 10 of video game conspiracies and then uh the uh, other guys here will comment when they can and um just to start off with um as like a preface to all this some of this is sort of stretching the meaning of conspiracy but some of this most definitely is a conspiracy at the same time so uh just uh just for the sake of the episode let's just uh you know let's just run with it so it's number 10 starting off the list uh we're gonna start off light uh this one is called crouching tiger hidden south park Back in the day, around 1998-1999, PlayStation discs carried a limited edition, um, a limited amount of data. A big game would be shipped on more than one disc, which often left extra disc space on the second disc, I think. Just, uh, yeah, just knocking around. Unless you were a developer for Tiger Woods 1999. For an inexplicable reason, the first release of the family-friendly sports game saw the developers... Use up the disc extra sword space with the pilot episode of South Park with Jesus versus Santa. While you wouldn't find the episode on your PlayStation, if you pop the disc into your computer, you would find it a few minutes after clicking 
through its files. Around 100,000 copies of the game were pulled from shelves before it was re-released without the episode on the show. Basically, I think this is just developers having a good old time and just throwing code in there uh, just for funsies. And again, this is a bit of a stretch, but I uh, just want to start off with that. All right, number nine, the 666 Conspiracy. Way back in 1981, 19-year-old Jeff Daly died of a heart attack soon after posting a score of 16,660 in the arcade game Berserk. One year later, 18-year-old Peter Burkowski also died of a heart attack moments after cracking the Berserk Top 10 High Score what? list twice in 15 minutes. Coincidence? <laughs> Some points to the Mark of the Beast 666 being in the high score, and it must be proof that Satan himself had a hand in the demise. I knew, I knew that <laughs> the Berserk franchise is cursed. I don't go near it. Why? I've just never been able to because of that, because I don't want to die. <laughs> you, you just now found out about this. What are you talking about? I just You just can tell. You can sense it. <laughs> with that franchise. I know it, a lot of people like it. I don't I don't dislike it. I think it's cool, but I remember playing that game for a little bit and I'm like this is a bad juju here. You could you could sense the mark of the beast yeah. in the game, dude? Yeah, I didn't I didn't play through that game. <laughs> you definitely didn't get a high score cuz you're still with us. Yeah, exactly. It was hard. <laughs> it was <laughs> I could feel my body weakening the high. It's like I got to stop. Uh, uh, throwing up to put it down <laughs> got into my memory card remember those uh yes i remember memory cards i think we all do we all have ps1s right yes oh yeah <clears throat> and ps2s which show up later in this list okay number eight <laughs> super mario brothers 3 isn't real well sure it obviously is not <laughs> obviously not real it's a video game the point is this, Super Mario Bros. 3 isn't a game at all, it's a play. A stage performance with Mario in no real peril at all. Miyamoto recently confirmed, Miyamoto the creator of uh, Mario, he confirmed that the game's curtain in the beginning screen there, hanging stage blocks and flat worlds are actually all pointing towards the game being a quote-unquote stage performance. Actually, I think this is also kind of a... Uh, more than likely, it's just a, what do you call it? Like an aesthetic that they chose. I don't know if it really fucking matters, man. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, because if you see like Mario's that have come like afterwards, they kind of have like, like let's say like Mario sixty four takes place in like all these paintings and whatnot. You know? Right, right, uh, right, right. So it's like, yeah, maybe that's just the aesthetic they put to the game. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it all me. it all happened. You know what I mean? I don't think yeah. he, I don't think he's like waking up from a dream. He's like, oh, princess is still here. <laughs> It's not like Deadpool resurrecting. <laughs> no, yeah. It's more real than that, at least. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. I mean, they just... its It's... I mean, how deep are you supposed to think about this shit, man? I mean, it's not all like... People want to... A lot of times people want to ascribe a, like, Tolkien kind of reality to every single, uh, you know, thing in... Every, like, nerd property ever. And it's like, dude, not everything is supposed to be thought of like that every time with every game every movie ever like the you last know 20 sonic the hedgehog games yeah well, i mean what do you mean by that but like the, the, they try to expand on them more and give it more of like a mythology or something to play around in in order to like 
facilitate some kind of game <laughs> experience there, without you know I mean? without worrying about actual gameplay. Well, yeah, exactly. Like the games suck, but they're like thinking they'll bank off of this like bigger story arc or whatever. Like the last one, Sonic uh, Mania, Boom, or Sonic uh, Mania or whatever. Mania yeah. was actually pretty good. I have it, uh, but it gets hard as fuck, yeah. man. And then you had like Shadow the Hedgehog, the one that was like Devil May Cry. It's like what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> yeah, and Super Sonic and all that, kind of ripping off a of Dragon Ball. All right, <clears throat> number seven. The original Legend of Zelda has a Nazi map. When The Legend of Zelda dropped in 1986, it found itself mired in controversy thanks to the inclu inclusion of the third dungeon map. Go ahead and take a look. Looks pretty familiar, right? The map was shaped like a swastika. Oops. This is, I'm just reading how they wrote it. Oops. <laughs> Parents demanded the game be pulled. While the dungeon is shaped like a swastika, it's not the Nazi one. Right. This swastika faces to the right and actually is, is an ancient symbol of peace in Hindu mythology. The makers of Zelda were, it turns out, only wishing players good luck. Dang. This is a big, this is sort of a big thing going on, especially with Tokyo Olympics coming up as well in 2020. Um, all the maps you see, like at the station and whatever, they all have uh, what looks like a swastika, but it's actually the reversal of a swastika. Uh, basically, Hitler took that symbol and reversed it to make the Nazi symbol. And uh, it was a pre-existing thing that had been through in, in India, through in Hindu mythology that, you know, found itself making all the way to Japan. And when you see that symbol called a manji, in Japan, it just means there's a temple at that location. Huh. So uh, the Japanese, especially in 1986, had fucking no clue, I guess. I mean, they should know something about fucking Hitler, but apparently they, they didn't think it that far <laughs> through, and then uh, it caused a controversy at the time. So in Blade of the Immortal, he has yeah. it on his back. It means there's a temple there. That's kind of <laughs> profound. It means there's he's he's Buddhist. Yeah. Uh, but also, that's actually, yeah. Go ahead. For Manji, for the most part, it it's laid flat like a box, like a square, right? It's not like not turned up like a diamond. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so, the shape yeah. is slightly different. Yeah, it's like laid down where like you know Hitler they kind of turned it uh, ninety degrees, I guess. Was that like an antithesis to the original message that the Hindu symbol meant or something? You know what? I really need to look up what the thinking was behind Hitler just appropriating this symbol. I, I, I really can't answer that question right now, but that that's a good question. Thank you for trying. <laughs> <laughs> Onward to Wikipedia. <laughs> okay, I numbers. appreciate your effort. No problem, man. Yeah, uh, we we can all Google it. Uh, <laughs> or listeners, if you want to get back to us, <laughs> you know that old bullshit. All right, the number is seven two zero. Go ahead, man. Tell no. tell everybody. Okay, number seven, and this one actually could firmly be called a actual conspiracy theory. <clears throat> We're not stretching the meaning in this one. The Madden Curse. It started as a curious fact at the water cooler grew into a joke between NFL fans, and eventually became a bona fide superstition. Between the years of 1999 and 2014, 
Nearly every NFL player who appeared on the front cover of EA's Madden games suffered a significant injury shortly after. Nearly is a handy journalese term, which the cynical among you will notice actually means not all. That's for the skeptical, the skeptic in all of us, which is me, and thus cannot be <laughs> the description of a curse. However, in this case, <coughs> nearly, quote-unquote, represents 15 out of 18 Madden cover stars mm -hmm. who went on to suffer from either horrific injuries, stinking performances, or major losses to their respective clubs. Oh, my God. Yeah, see, I don't <laughs> play those games either. See, I don't play Madden's. My, uh, I because I don't like football. I don't really like it either, but uh, what do you guys think about this one? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, don't be on those covers, man. <laughs> that, that's how it's going to go. Stay away from those covers. Obviously, they're there's like, a coincidence. They're like, nah, yeah. EA, you can just have uh, the, the, the CG version of me on there. Right. Yeah, but even the jersey and a number, ooh, that, that could be, you know, how superstitions ooh, yeah, maybe, and maybe, sports maybe, kind maybe. of go, too. There's a lot of superstition in sports. I think be like, oh, go ahead. A, that's a shaky line right there. That's all I'm saying. I, I think that the skeptical take on this and this kind of what I go for is that, well, a football is just dangerous as fuck and everybody right. gets hurt. B, if somebody's on the cover and you didn't make the cover, you're going to be going after his ass. Maybe even more so. There might be some jealousy there, yeah. right? It's fucking not impossible for that to exist, yeah. I think. And, yeah, and also, like, by what you're saying about the danger, it seems like it's mostly coincidental, right? <laughs> like, I mean, 15 out of 18, if this number actually look, is correct. Look up the statistic of injuries in football, and then it'll probably balance out. Right. Also, this thing is saying, uh, I mean, yeah, we're going to pick this apart here, but it's saying 15 out of 18 have horrific injuries, sinking performances, or major losses. That's three different fucking categories. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, man. So anyway, it's interesting that at least people are noticing a phenomenon or I don't know. At least it's somewhat interesting, I think. Phenomenon. <laughs> All right. Number five. Saddam Hussein and PS2s. Oh, nice. Accor according to World News Daily article published in December 2000, Iraq's former President Saddam Hussein was stockpiling hundreds of PS2s for the purposes not quite as humble as playing a, a round of Fantavision. <laughs> the story goes that the pugnacious ward leader wanted to, to stockpile PS2s due to the console's 32-bit CPU being rather powerful at the time, and thus to repeat an anonymous quote circulating at the time, this is, I guess, dubious as well, anonymous quote, but extremely useful in military design applications. Apparently, Kutaragi, this is the guy that made the PS2, his much lauded emotion engine could be used to calculate ballistic data for long-range missiles, and the combined CPU power of 15 PlayStation 2s would be enough to control a drone. <laughs> wow! <laughs> as terrifying as the prospect of, I know, crazy. Warmongering state officials going all a team on luxury household items. This urban legend is surely a work of fiction. The problem, as with all good lies, is the slither of truth. PS2s were sold cheaper than basic 32-bit chips, meaning. It may have been a genuine frugal option for penny-pinching tyrants. <laughs> um, 
scarier the more you think about it. At the very least, it brings new meaning to the term console war. That's the name of my next ska band. <laughs> what is? Penny Pinching Tyrants. Oh, man. That does sound like ska. Fuck <laughs> ska. One final thing. During Christmas of 2000, there was a punishing global shortage of PS2s, and Sony Europe secretly hired four Antonov jets out of Afghanistan just to carry a shipment from Japan to Europe. And th it says this is not a lie. <laughs> a creative mind on the inside would have all the inspiration they'd need to conjure a tale of why only a few P PS2s made it to Europe. Damn. All right. I mean, 15 of them together. I mean, is this as, as simple as just fucking plugging 15 together, or are they just getting chips and put them into other architecture, or what? Like, they have to I want to just the chip, have maybe. A teenager there to help them. <laughs> An Iraqi teenager? <laughs> yeah. Get off FIFA and show us how to make find our missiles. The guy in the van. He's the kid well, in the, the van. Well, the PlayStation 2 has component cables instead of RCA cables, so they're different colors. What? <laughs> Dang. <laughs> You can control anything with that. This is not Little related, but one. not related, but uh, PS3 was actually the most powerful gaming system, even compared to PCs when it was released. Like Sony was losing money on PS3s when it was first when it first came out. Oh wow! Like you know, PC gamers are usually shitty about it. Like we have the best graphics, but uh, at that time, PS3 was fucking. Was that because the Wii sold so well? <laughs> you said it was losing money after. Sony had like put all the best shit at the time into the PS3, so it was expensive to make. So they actually lost money on every PS3 they sold. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, because of the money they put into it. Yeah, yeah. It was a supercomputer at the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The Pokemon Suicide Conspiracy. Oh, shit. Back in 1996, Pokemon Red and Green was slotted in nearly everyone's Game Boy. Ironically enough, the Japanese weren't a part of that statistic. <laughs> when the game first dropped in Japan, it was supposedly linked to a massive spike in child suicides and illness. From the ages of 7 to 12, children from the ages of 7 to 12 were either falling sick or taking their own lives outright. The most bizarre thing about the incident was the children did not fall ill or commit suicide until they reached Lavender Town. Many think, <laughs> many think the town Sounds score. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, many think the town score was the cause of the ailments. The town's specific music caused nausea and, e and eventually suicidal tendencies in children. The music was eventually changed before it was shipped abroad. The above YouTube clip. I'm going to be sending you guys this. Is the original score from the Japanese version of the game that was shipped overseas? Well, I don't want to hear it. Jesus, it's like the ring, dude. I want to go to the edge. Boom! There you go. If you want to listen to some suicidal jams, this is some Cenobite shit. I'm right scared here. now. I'm I'll gonna listen play for it. us. If you hear a vortex rip open on my end, I want to kill myself here. now. <laughs> I'm like the ring. Mess message me on Facebook. I don't want oh seven days to live. It's pretty creepy. <laughs> I'm gonna come and get you, Andrew. I'm like, if this ring lady comes and gets <laughs> before, me before you die, <laughs> I'm coming for you. We're gonna try to solve that mystery together, and then die anyway, because it's every it's rate gaming. Movie. It's really terrifying. Lavender Town. Yeah, it's just the music uh, and one image of like the town. 
All right, let's pick this apart for a second. Why was it Lavender Town exactly? You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> where people, like, where the kids saved games, like, stopped right on that town, or what? You know what I mean? Like, the I kids that died? I never so did it must either. have. It just must have, like, it must be at a point in the game where it clicks and you're just like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that that must be the case because the kid's dead and the game stopped. All the games stopped at this particular time. Yeah. And that's the only way, reason you can... What age were they? Older it says or 7 to 12. 7 to 12, huh? That's kind of on the older range of the audience demographic, right? Maybe Seven's just, right know, at Pokemon level, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. But to totally. 12, in that range, I'd say it's older kids who are like, I'm st I am I love Pokemon, but <laughs> girls don't like me, and I'm a nerd, and I fucking... You know, they start spiraling out of control. You get to this level, and you hear this atonal fucking circus psychotic it music is weird. playing. The and it's colors. just got these monochromatic characters. <laughs> just like... I'm losing here, guys. Are you listening? Oh my god, Stefan's yeah. gonna die. Oh, I, I, stop listening, Stefan. Maybe it's your <laughs> mentality. Seven just, to twelve year olds. You're just playing uh. Pokemon yet in yellow and gold or whatever it was and But it's weird, it's because green. And, because and, like you're just and hitting the cartridge has been in and out of everybody else's Game Boy slots, mm -hmm. as Andrew said, and you're just it's feeling hollow inside. Because <laughs> because you want your cartridge to belong to one Game Boy and only one Game Boy. But the world's spiraling out of control. And that music comes on, and you're thinking, man, I've done too many drugs, probably, and I'm playing way too much Pokemon. Did those kids do drugs? I don't think so, but Japan, just like anywhere else in the world, <laughs> has its fair share of urban legends. Uh, My so, has holes. I mean, <laughs> uh, like we like we all saw with with Ringu, uh, you know, that's kind of an urban legend type of thing, and also. Yeah. We'll save this for maybe another time, but there's also kind of like a few urban legends about Totoro. <laughs> oh, wow. What, did, what does Snopes have to say about it? <laughs> Probably bullshitting on it, taking a big-ass shit on it, but still. Snopes? Snopes, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's okay. Conspiracies are fun. All right, we'll moving on. The bottom of that mystery. <laughs> All right. This is another Pokemon when I put these two right next to each other. Uh, the Pokemon Adult Conspiracy. Pokemon is a title that seems to be steeped in historical conspiracies. Pokemon Red and Blue was a massive success for Nintendo, but, twainy, but <laughs> between training your Charizard, did anyone bother to ask, where the hell are the adults in the game? As Ash, you travel across Kanto with, barely, with deadly, barely controllable wild animals crammed into questionable living conditions. The larger question of where all the male adults have disappeared to lends credence to the theory that Pokemon actually takes place at the end of a large-scale global war, which has forced several changes in the world of Pokemon society. One of the biggest clues to support this theory is that both Ash and his rival, Gary, have no male parent figure throughout the game. Where are all the men? One theory says <laughs> it was war. Against whom or why is unknown. We can only imagine some White Walker-like scenario featuring Magikarps, but the clues are there. Neither Ash nor Gary, in red or blue, have a father figure, with the <laughs> and with the exception of the criminal Team Rocket, uh, da, 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 yeah, where, where's the rest of them? Again, this is kind of thinking too far into this type of shit. They just don't want fucking adults in the game. It's for kids with a bunch of kids in it. But, I mean, that's what I think of it. But, adults uh, ruin everything. Yeah, they ruin everything. I mean, seriously. They do chores. 
it's like they, they think that Pokemon, the Pokemon world is a post-apocalyptic nightmare zone. <laughs> when only, only children. Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what cool. this—that's what they're trying to say, which is interesting. But it's like, a lot of times, I think, in my in my opinion, they people that play the games, they grow up playing them, and then they get to a certain age where they're old enough, and they start questioning it more. They have, they have they, to redefine the story for themselves, so they come yes, up with these kind of yeah. What what made sense before no longer makes a whole lot of sense because <laughs> you've have passed the fucking age yeah. for it. You know what I mean? You either start an urban legend or conspiracy theory, or you off yourself. Right. <laughs> Those are your only options with Pokemon kids. <laughs> <laughs> you get you get a, you get a fucking um, what you call it? A, yeah, the uh, the epileptic seizure or a fucking you kill yeah. yourself with some Labyrinth in town. American cartoons don't make people die. God bless America. <laughs> All right, number two. So, dude, I head with false dreams. Yes, fantasies. They're not real. All right, uh, number two. I actually thought this was real, but apparently it's still a conspiracy that is probably real. Sonic and Michael. Lots of 90 kids like Sonic. Everyone liked Michael Jackson. At least until 1993, when allegations first emerged <laughs> that the pop star had sexually abused underage boys. <laughs> but Ben's passion for Sonic. What? Jackson. Jackson and especially Sonic Secrets made him particularly well suited for the role he would play in a mystery that would captivate his fellow blues. I, I don't know. Okay. In early 1994, Sega was Sega released uh, Sonic 3, which had been developed in secret at a secure facility in Silicon Valley. I guess Sonic 3 was made in America, thousands of miles from uh, Sega's Japanese headquarters. Jackson's Lead track on Dangerous sounded a lot like Sonic 3's Carnival Night Zone. Yep, Jackson's yeah, Jam, yeah, right. And then uh, there's a few other ones uh, that are very, very really similar. similar. And I sometimes I bump that Sonic the Hedgehog one soundtrack just but, as like music. But that wouldn't be uh, the the theory is that it was Sonic 3 particularly. Oh really? Not the first one. Sonic wasn't big enough at that time. Well shit. Then I don't. Then I doubt it. I could see them taking a lot of influence from Michael Jackson if that's the case, because there is a lot of that kind of sound in the first soundtrack. It's hopping. It's popping. It's bumping. It's interesting, and, right? Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, but yeah, I did. I, I I remember hearing about this theory that he had a hand in it, and then they. Johnson told me about it, and I thought it was truth, but. It's, very, it's, it's also truth. likely because truth. of the allegations at this point. When those kind of allegations come against you, people are suspect to you about anything. This motherfucker is in our video games. No, not on my watch. And the other like skeptical take you can take with this is that the, uh, what you call it, the Japanese music, the game music producers might have just liked Michael Jackson as well and taken an influence. Not... Like, Michael Jackson didn't have to fucking be there in a Seiko headquarters, you know, making Sonic jams. Yeah. You know, it yeah. could be the other way around. Well, he would have probably been at home. <laughs> yeah, right? Just like, <laughs> send somebody with a tape or whatever. Listen to this new track. <laughs> it's going to be hot. I've never heard Sonic. your Michael before. Sonic's <laughs> I think it just premiered. Yeah. Oh, hey, Bubbles. <laughs> Sega maintains it never worked with Jackson on Sonic 3. And is, quote, not in the position to respond. <laughs> <laughs> so we did. <laughs> this maybe actually could 
be true, but I think that we will basically never know until we get some more actual, you know, uh, real evidence on this. You know what I'm saying? So probably took this one to his grave. Basically, yeah. I mean, they're never going to say anything. But I mean, the timing is interesting. His greatest work. I think Johnson still thinks it's true too. All right, we're at number one, guys. The fucking granddaddy of all of them, dude. This is a real fucking conspiracy. All right. <laughs> yeah. Polybius. Oh shit! I knew it was coming. It has to be number one, dude. Yeah. This one is the shit. So I listened to a seven-part uh, <laughs> podcast on Polybius it's just good. to make sure we didn't tread the same waters, but we're basically gonna have to. Same waters because it's seven fucking episodes. Jesus, dude. They interviewed episode one, zero. They interviewed an ab- abduct, a supposed adductee of this whole thing. Well, let me explain it before we get more into it, all right? Just in case the listener doesn't know uh, what the fuck we're talking about. Polybius is a fictitious arcade game that originated from an urban legend created in 2000. The urban legend was in 2000, okay? The original game's actual existence has never been authoritatively, authoritatively proven, but it has served as inspiration for several free and commercial games by the same name. The, uh... So, actually, let me go off a of memory here real quick before I read all this. This is a game that supposedly came out around 1981 in mainly, I think, Portland. This is where a lot of it, uh, a lot of the uh, urban legend stems from. There is a guy and maybe a couple others, but this podcast, other podcasts listened to, they only, like, really interviewed this one guy. And uh, it, was a art, it was a fucking arcade that was not attached to a mall. And that's important in a minute. I'll get to why that's important. But uh, then a black box showed up, like an all black, no name on it. Not even the name Polybius was on it. And the guy, this guy, like, played the game and then basically passed out and then was, like, woke up 60 miles away without his bike and had to, like, escape with somebody else that he... Like couldn't find, I think, as far as what I remember, he couldn't find later in life this other kid around his same age. Okay? They said that the game was... Like, the urban legend says that the game was part was possibly part of a government-run crowdsourced psychology experiment with gameplay producing intense psychoactive and addictive effects in the player. Those these, sons of bitches. <laughs> these few publicly staged arcade machines were said to have been visited periodically by men in black. For the purpose of data mining the machines and analyzing the effects. Those sons of bitches. <laughs> Finally, all of these Polybius arcade machines allegedly disappeared from the arcade market. Polybius is thought to take its name from that of the Greek historian Polybius, who was known for his assertion that historians should never report what they cannot verify through interviews with witnesses. All right. Um, so they said that also the game uh, caused players to suffer vivid nightmares and even suicidal ten- tendencies. The cabinet had a powerful strobe effect that could easily cause epileptic seizures in those prone to them. So Sur- unsurprisingly, the games were removed very quickly. And the rumor has it they, that the game was released by DARPA to test psychoactive machines. Uh... And there were also reports that men dressed in black black suits would come by once a week to collect data stored in the game's memory. 
And there's also some talk about MK Ultra being part of the mix and uh, all this kind of shit, man. So, uh, the from what I gather, uh, there might have been something weird going on with this game. It doesn't necessarily have to have been from the government, in my in my estimation, if we're being skeptical about it. And also, the uh, other podcast I listened to said that in the early '80s. Black arcade machines showed up often. Uh, you know, it was the Wild West of gaming. Things weren't totally figured out as far as how arcade games were released and all that shit. So a lot of times they just arrived without any fucking packaging whatsoever. Also, what I mentioned earlier, the the reason that it wasn't attached to a mall, uh, the malls tended to be more family friendly, but this was an arcade that was on its own. And in the early 80s, this, like, like when you see in Terminator and, uh, and, and like other, and Terminator and Ninja Turtles 1 and all that, like, you know, the bad kids were hanging out the fucking, at the, at arcades and shit, right? Like that stereotype did not come out of nowhere. And also, there's a lot of kids there. They are away from their parents from a long time. There was probably child prostitution. More than, they, actually, this was confirmed. There was. And, uh, human trafficking. So, this guy might have been playing a new game. This is just my uh, this is just my skeptical take on it. He might have been playing a new game. He might have been drugged somehow, and he doesn't remember it. And he might have been fucking taken to somewhere up the, a forest near uh, near uh, Portland, mm-hmm. and then he wakes up midway and I guess escapes. Uh, either way, it's fucking terrifying. And but this guy still to this day thinks that uh, something is going on with that game. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like if he was drugged, he just doesn't remember actually being drugged. Like the drug had an effect on his memory, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, I think it's kind of cool to think about like an MK Ultra type of video game. And also, uh, the guy that wrote Ready Player One, Ernest Klein, Polybius plays a kind of an important uh, plot point in Armada, his second most popular book. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and with Men in Black showing up and all that, you know, not the Will Smith Men in Black, but what that all that that stuff is based on, uh, that shit is pretty interesting. But yes, Polybius, this is the fucking granddaddy of them all, the number one gaming conspiracy that there is. What do you guys think about all that? Those goddamn sons of bitches. So you, what is MK Ultra? All right. It's a mi- mind control experiments conducted by the the army in the 60s. CIA, supposedly. Uh, oh, CIA. Okay, gotcha. Joey, okay, so this is like pretty much confirmed. This is one of the conspiracy theories I actually sort of believe. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, again, I don't believe it 100% probably, but um, it seems more real than others. Uh, they mention it in Stranger Things, too. Basically, the CIA rented out fucking brothels uh, or places where that had illegal brothels anyway. And then they brought in homeless and other like fucking like transient people and all this. And they put, they put them through all kinds of tests, LSD and whatnot, just mm-hmm. to see, uh, if they could develop powers and shit, you know, like some fucking real, like seriously, they were trying to see if like you could alter the brain enough to get powers, at least, uh, as far as like seeing into the future or, Something like that, right? Yeah, yeah I feel like I definitely heard about this. It's just been a while. And I've 
completely the forgotten remote about. remote viewing and stuff they tried to find russian missiles with like uh surrogate minds and consciousnesses to describe where the bases were and stuff and apparently <laughs> some of them were fairly accurate a hive mind type thing going on yeah yeah could be tap into some kind of conscious web consciousness web it's possible i think i mean because the thing is this whole story involves the government doing cia doing weird shit and none of it is like i mean they don't confirm anybody got any powers but like the government wanting to put lsd in homeless people it's not that (laughs) (laughs) far-fetched you know what i mean just to see what would happen so first time they've introduced illicit drugs into unregulated neighborhoods it was MK Ultra, dude. I thought it was in my head, yeah. <laughs> I think MK Ultra made Lavender Town, bro. <laughs> Lavender Town, bro. <laughs> All right. It's weird when you think of like what it's saying. It's like seven to twelve-year-old kids. It's like yeah. most of those kids are like developing puberty or haven't really developed puberty yet. So it seems weird that they're like going into this like depression mode that they're like my life sucks i'm gonna go kill myself uh you know it's it seems a little yeah completely far-fetched on that one like if they were like kids in high school or something like i could maybe start to buy it that's a good point actually yeah i mean maybe it has something to do with like this is also a stretch but like if it is true like the pokemon effect with the fucking uh epileptic seizures might affect the mood dude i don't know yeah i mean i think what you're saying might be right i think the sec your theory about the sex trafficking is probably very likely too that sounds oh yeah with like this like and yeah kids drinking sodas and eating candy and stuff it'd be easy for some like um i just watched like four documentaries on on this type of thing be easy for some other kid a little bit older somebody who's working with somebody who's like transient somebody's running some kind of child prostitution ring dude th- well, okay yeah, so like like so, so you're at like an arcade and so people are probably you know if it's one of those type of seedier places you might have some bad kids like hey man you want to go some weed for my buddy yeah, come on yeah, let's yeah. go and so you like all head over to his house you don't know who the fuck this guy's yeah. buddy is you come know what i mean my house i just got a fucking xbox one dude i mean there was this one guy yeah, it's like, um, yo, I got, the, I got the Nintendo, the Super Super Nintendo. What yeah. is that? I it mean, just came out. That. Just yeah, it's like, came yeah, out. come on. Let's I'm go like check one it of out. only ten people that knows about it, kid. You're, you're playing Mortal Kombat. Yo, I got Mortal Kombat two at the house. What? When? What is that? <laughs> Mortal Kombat yeah. like just came out. Yeah, Mortal go Kombat ahead. again. <laughs> yeah, again. Uh, <laughs> there, were, there was one guy uh, that they interviewed actually, in the other one. Uh, man, I gotta get the name for this podcast. I forgot it, but. Uh, it's uh he was saying he, he he was saying that he would go to the arcade to make money if you know what i'm saying yeah okay uh yeah. you know he would yeah. some some people would pay for his services <laughs> so wait, wait the guy as the guy as a kid when he was Polybius? a kid not that the no guy, it was, it was another pockets? it was another guy oh, okay damn but for real that's crazy yeah man we're talking like some crazy times in the arcades yeah, in the 80s 80s yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah, you definitely probably got drugged. But then back to the whole, uh, yeah, probably just drugs. <laughs> so the game, how does the game factor in then at that point? Did we crack it? <laughs> no, I mean, so no one's, I don't know if anybody's actually seen 
what this game actually looked like. It's just a description from a few people, and I think mainly one dude, but I'm not exactly sure about that. The podcast I listened to actually interviewed mainly one guy about the game experience, but um, I think it probably was drugs from somebody else. Uh, But uh, wait, what was your question again? Um, I was saying whether or not did we crack it? Uh, Did we crack it? Yeah. Yeah, because then you you start taking into account like the the physical effects and the headaches and seizures and nausea and stuff like that, and then you think about um, the Men in Black stuff. But it, it's probably something just as sinister. But then we tend to put these stories on top of the reality, which is uglier that we don't want to face. I'm kind of still latching onto the the sex trafficking uh, aspect of it, which I think. I think that was going on more than everybody likes to admit, man. Yeah, the- oh, so you come up with this idea of the men in black and this like arcade machine. You know, it could be anything. It could be a Coca Cola that, or like a new soda. That, like I remember, it was in the fucking all the arcades or all at the bowling alley or something. We all drank that soda, but you never see it or something. It could be anything. In this case, we tend to paint the uglier things over with like a, a more mysterious kind of open ended solution design you know like right. getting abducted by aliens yeah exactly and <laughs> all other type, mo- type of monsters and yeah when we, yeah i mean a more realistic uh explanation is, is probably terrifying yeah because then i think about the some i listened about half of the podcast that you sent us so far and then and knowing a little bit about it uh uh beforehand um kind of feels like yeah it's like it's like it's easy it'd be easy to it's easy to see through it you know even though it's compelling as hell right when you take into consideration the like what you said you kind of want it yeah there's a part of you parents and everything yeah there's a part of you that wants it to be men in black and mk ultra and then and then you're like a super geek who's like wants to find a polybius machine and stuff like that and then it becomes a whole other type of like uh, disturbed individual. <laughs> my what I the the image I have in my head just from the descriptions is that it's like kind of like a psychedelic tempest. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was described as. Yeah, um, which but, would be cool. We like what it. I wanted from that podcast is that they didn't really go into like how it felt to control it. Like I want to, I want to know something about like the controls because they said that it was uh, like a keyboard instead of a joystick as right, well. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm guessing like an up, down, left, right arrow or something. But that would be weird if it's like Tempest. See, they I, make it yeah. like an impossible kind of configuration, so you can't possibly visualize it exactly. He, he was saying that he basically. Uh, like it was kind of hard to figure out at first, but then it became intuitive, and he, the more he got into it, the more like it was. He said it was unlike any other game, but you could you could start to figure it out. But it was all yeah. kind of vague, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, interesting. I like it. I like the Polybius one. I'm surprised there hasn't been a movie or some such. Yeah, a documentary, fictionalized, fictionalized version. Has there so been a documentary? That podcast there should be. They were trying to make a documentary, but they couldn't make. They couldn't get the funding, so they turned their idea into a podcast. Yeah. 
so I just asked the guys since we were doing this weird conspiracy theory thing to think of like weird games they played. Um, I mean, if you didn't play them, but you heard of them and you just didn't have the system, that's cool too. I tried to pick stuff that I actually played and was just like, man, this is kind of weird, but I kind of like it. Um, so Andrew, you, you usually lead everything. Let's have you go first. <laughs> okay. All right. So to start off my list, I just want to say that I have taken a lot of time online searching for hidden gems, downloading those hidden gems and ROMs and playing the fuck out of them. I did this when Johnson was in town and years ago. And I, I like what's my favorite thing to watch on the metal Jesus rocks channel. It's not religious. It's just a guy that has long hair and looks like Jesus and likes metal, but he talks about video games. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so this is, uh, this is kind of up my alley. All right. So, Number five, <clears throat> I'm putting in Monster Party by for NES. Uh, uh, this this one's pretty scary for an 8-bit game, as scary as it can be. And I think it was unreleased in America. There's a lot of those on my list. Um, but you can find it on a ROM. And there is an English... Like a lot of times with, with ROMs, if it just has a Japanese release, somebody has done a, a fan translation of it as well and put it into the code. So you can actually find an English version of a game never released here which is kind of cool. So uh, check out Monster Party if you haven't. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, it has a lot of like, it's almost like like, like, mo like a Monster Squad type of thing, but you're not playing as the kids. You're playing as the monsters. So oh, wow. Sweet. Where's which that is, game at? I don't need to play it. Uh, I can you know, tell you how to get it later, Matty. Okay. <laughs> All right. Monster Party is number five. Number four is Otaki for the Famicom Disk System. Even the fucking system is weird. Uh, so Otaki is one of the first uh, music games. This was uh, also on Famicom, which is the original regular Nintendo 8-bit game. Famicom Disk System was never released in America, but you can get the ROMs. And uh, you're kind of like this ship flying through space and uh an 8-bit kind of space and whenever you shoot at things it makes different tones and, and and notes and stuff so the more you play the more it sounds like music okay so uh and i was first introduced to this when i was in japan when i visited japan way back in the day like 2004 maybe and this was the same like hour that i was introduced to uh katamari damashi <laughs> <laughs> so it was like two weird things back to back <clears throat> um, the next one is uh, Sweet Home on the regular Nintendo as well uh, this is this has an English translation as well it was never released in America but it is uh, one of the first maybe the first survival horror game uh, this is a precursor possibly to e to Resident Evil and all that shit. And uh, it has a cool box art. And um, you're kind of walking around this house trying to survive 8-bit style. So, um, yeah, check out Sweet Home. And then uh, number two, there is no English uh, name for this, but I'll translate for you. Uh, it's called Sute Hakun, which means... <laughs> Sucking blow boy. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of a bad translation. I'm sure it wouldn't be called that. But that's the direct, direct translation. You're kind of playing... You're playing this character that looks sort of like Kirby, but you're, like, transparent. 
and you have a needle basically it's like a kiwi bird it looks like a kiwi bird but you have a like a needle beak and you can like absorb like the colors of a like a balloon or something and put those into platforms and it makes the platform uh move a different way like red makes it go up and down yellow makes it go left and right shit like that it's a puzzle game okay it was for Satellaview, which was an add-on for the Super Nintendo that was only in America. The game was released in 1997, only in Japan. And, uh, and that's another reason this was never released in America, was because this was kind of what you would call a DLC game in Japan, and it was in 97. This was after the N64 was released. So they, they felt no reason at all to bring this to America, but it is a very fun game. You don't need to know any Japanese to play it, really, because uh, it's just a puzzle game, and it is awesome. And Satellaview, man, ahead of its time, you could get F-Zero, basically DLC. You could go to the convenience store if you didn't have the early internet and put your disc in, and then it would put on the DLC for like two, two bucks, and then bring it back to your Satellaview that's connected to your Super Nintendo, and you have new F-Zero levels. You'd have oh. new Mario levels. You would have new whatever. Like... Uh, excite bike, uh, shit like that, and also you can find these online now uh, in ROMs and shit if you want to take a look. Uh, so yeah, and uh, then my last one. <laughs> oh man, so this is a game called Photograph Boy uh, for Turbo Turbo Graphics sixteen. This might have gotten an American release. I'm not sure. But basically, it's a 16-bit, but Turbo Graphics was sort of like a super-powered 8-bit, really. But uh, anyway, um, it is a game where you're playing a photographer, and and like the the background's constantly moving. It's like you know those Mario levels where the background's moving. You got to keep up. Every level's like that, and you take pictures of all kinds of shit happening into in the background. So there could be a UFO flying over or a woman falls and it's dude this this game is not fucking PG like a woman Whoa. like 16 bit a woman's uh uh you know dress will fly up and you she won't be naked but you see her underwear and uh like uh, some other shit like oh and like uh, just a warning and of course I don't endorse this at all whatsoever but the second level is pretty fucking racist uh, this is early Japanese developers. I don't know what they were thinking. I think the gameplay is, is great, but the second level is actually a fucking like what Japanese people thought of Brooklyn or something. And it's like got like a quote unquote hip hop theme and it's just bad. Like it would have to be redone. I gotta see this. <laughs> it is terrible, but um, the gameplay itself is amazing. I have beat it on ROM. Uh, uh, it, it's, 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 insanely addictive and what makes it uh fun too is that the uh the difficulty is pretty high uh you're going to fuck up quite a lot but i was so addicted to it i just fucking kept playing man um What's so again? photograph boy on turbo graphics 16 so yeah man those are the picks awesome, awesome. sweet uh joey um, let's see. <clears throat> I've got a couple. And then I kind of found one I want to read. Um, I never played, but I, as I was looking for games that I had played or had heard about, 
Um, I wanted to read that one, so I'll read that one after. Um, so I'm going to go with number five, which I, is a game for PlayStation. This, I try to do ones I played uh, for the most mm-hmm. part, but probably three of them I've played, two of them I have not. Um, the, so the first one, number five, is going to be a game called Spider for the PlayStation 1. Oh, yeah. I love that game. Oh, so, yeah. like, I had, like, I think me and my brother had a friend come over and we went to Blockbuster or I believe it was Blockbuster. And, ran, you know, I was looking for a new game, rented this game called Spider. And I think, like, I had started, I guess, I had started playing it that night and literally played the entire game until, like, four in the morning and beat it. Like, that's, like, it was such a weird game um, where you're, this, you're a spider and you can get, like, upgrades, like a knife or a gun, and it's, like, 2D platformer but for, like, PlayStation graphics. And so you just, like, yeah, running around, like, I don't remember, like, most of it, but fighting enemies or whatever, and it was just a really weird game. I, like, totally got hooked on it and, like, beat it in one sitting. Wow. Yeah. Um, number four is, uh, excuse me, uh, Catherine. Uh, I believe that's for PlayStation 3. Yeah. Um, and that's one I've only played the demo of. It's, it's a game I'm definitely interested in and would like to play it again at some point and play the full game. So I guess you're like this kid and you, I guess, I forget, I forget most of them, you have a crush on this girl and you get sucked into these like weird like levels where you're climbing blocks and she's like knocking the blocks out from under you. And so there's a lot of sexual themes. Um, it's very weird. Very interesting. Um, number three is uh, Katamari. <laughs> um, any of the Katamari games, really. That's like, I remember, yeah, 2004, I think those games started to come out to the U.S. Um, and you're just, you know, you start out with like what? You're like a little guy or a little something. And you just roll around the room picking up stuff and you just get bigger. And then immediately, and then. You know, later on, you're like running around cities, picking up buildings, then you're picking up planets, you know, and it's just like very odd game, but like very like um, very funny um, and has a lot of charm to it. Like the the, the music's really cool. Uh, the, the you know, all the graphics are very like kind of childlike and very interesting. Uh, number, f- uh, let's see, two is uh, a game for the Dreamcast called Seaman. Oh, man. Uh, I'd never played this game, but it was almost like a... Um, uh, what, are the, what are like the digital pets? Tamagotchi. What are the names? Like like a Kamagachi. Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi. But, you're, but it's like a Dreamcast game, and you're taking care of a fish, I believe, with a human face. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like super weird. I never played... This one I haven't played. Um it just it looked too weird to me, and I wasn't paying for for that or going to go rent it because it seemed too weird. Um, and uh, the last one, number one, is a game that pretty much never got released because of its like hard, like um, I mean, you know, uh, adult graphic, adult style, like dude. Uh, this thing. is what I think I. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, it's a fighting game called Thrill Kill. Oh, dude, I wanted this game so bad as a kid. <laughs> oh, it would have been so sick. It's supposed to be like a, you know, sort of like a 
PlayStation One, like three D Mortal Kombat, but had was like very super sexual. Like I don't know if it necessarily had nudity, but it's like definitely like one girl was dressed as like a cougar can like do like sexual <laughs> moves on you and kill you, and um, a lot of other like weird things. It just like never came out, got canceled, was yeah. possibly going, possibly like got picked back up, was going to come out, and just like nothing ever happened with it. They um, used the fighting engine for the Wu Tang game fighting game. Oh yes, yeah. that is true. Wu Tang did have a fighting game. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I think you could rip off enemies' arms and limbs and use them against them, but you could still fight. And the big drawing point was that it could four players could play at a time, so it was like okay. a big brawl okay. session. Yeah, I remember the the arms part. I do remember that. Uh, and then the other one that I, when I was looking for games, like you know, because I, I just needed to get a refresher, um, I found on Cracked dot com. They have one. It's like. Five beyond insane video games from otherwise normal companies. So, okay, number five. Uh, the title is the Nintendo game about Hitler, the KKK, and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it goes, Nintendo is so family friendly that they make Walt Disney look like Quentin Tarantino. But in <laughs> 1991, they cut loose a little. By which we mean they made a game wherein one level was the straight up Holocaust. Whoa. Follow us to present Time Twist on the Outskirts of History is the name of this game, which was thankfully never released outside of Japan. So this <laughs> game is in Japan, <laughs> apparently. It, begin, it begins reasonably enough. Our hero takes a TV fortune teller's advice and heads off to the Devil Museum. Always a fun Sunday activity, in parentheses, where he tries to use a magical spell to seduce a girl, only he accidentally frees the devil instead because it turns out the fortune teller was possessed. The lesson being, don't trust the devil. Apparently, that needed teaching back in the 80s. Anyway, the devil swaps bodies with you and travels back in time, forcing you to follow him and stop his evil schemes. First, you go to the 15th, to 15th century France, where you learn that you can possess people but can only leave their bodies when they're unconscious. So after hijacking a peasant named Pierre, you get him blackout drunk and go rescue Joan of Arc, casually altering human history forever. Next, you hop into the body of a prisoner trying to escape a Nazi concentration camp. This naturally leads to you battling Hitler, who's possessed by the devil, in some sort of abstract hell dimension. Not only is Demon Hitler in a Nintendo game, but he's not even the final boss. <laughs> After a relatively normal trip to ancient Greece, you head to the American Civil War. You head to the American Civil War and hop into the body of a slave boy named George, who gets lynched by the KKK. Jesus Christ. Then you discover that George's master is plotting to kill Abraham Lincoln. You're able to save the day by solving a variation on the old river crossing puzzle that involves Lincoln, two slaves, and three coyotes. You're learning history. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the final chapter sees you hopping into a donkey owned by the original power couple, Joseph and Mary. What? You witness the birth of Jesus, whom you then have to defeat. Because the devil has possessed him, it is going to alter history to cause a nuclear apocalypse. All I want is to play this game now. <laughs> All I want. Why, yes, maybe Jesus does appear to summon the tortured souls of the damned during your encounter. How did you guess? The whole game is like a range, a rage resignation from a disgruntled Nintendo employee who wanted to break every rule the company has simultane had simultaneously shot. Wait, I guess they missed something. 
Anyway, shockingly, Nintendo refuses to acknowledge the game today, which is a shame because Lynch child, slave George, and evil devil baby Jesus would really spice up the next Smash Brothers. God. I looked well, this up. This was I feel, also I feel for, bad reading that. <laughs> this is for Famicom Disk System as well. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's me. <laughs> that was awesome. Fucked up. God. Uh, Stefan. Hello. <laughs> I also man at my number five. Um, I had the game. I was really excited to get the game because you would be able to like talk to the guy and like take care of it. And it was like this little. You had to make sure the levels in his tank were right and everything. And um, I only played so much of it because it was just too weird. And it was just like going on. You like you really had to invest a lot of time in it. But I found out when I wasn't home one of my asshole friends uh he was there playing video games with my brother and he was he would like would turn on c-man and you could flick him to like punish him if he did something bad and they just flicked the shit out of him Aww. for Wait, like an the, hour the name of the game again c-man yeah. oh yeah okay yeah. and then when i came back and found him he was all depressed and shit and i couldn't like i was like what the fuck i'm like trying to feed him more and then he just like died and <laughs> i was like i was like all right back to fucking tomb raider <laughs> <laughs> this is bullshit um, my number four is WarioWare um, really, you guys ever played WarioWare it had like oh, a special Warrior. thing on like an attachment to the actual cartridge right yeah yeah it had a gyroscope or some shit yeah some kind of like gyroscope thing where you could like do tilts and like you could maneuver balls and stuff like that but it was like so many like thousands I guess of different maybe not thousands, hundreds maybe, of different games um, that were really simple little games and they just were all really kind of like odd and um, just like nutty. You just go from one thing to the next and they're all fun. It was all like really fun games, little things that you get to do and it was just like simplistic graphics and and it just kept going on and on. I don't know. It was really fun. Um, but it was weird, yeah. It was just like, you, you're like, what? <laughs> anyway, WarioWare. WarioWare, yeah, it's really good. It's uh, impossible to uh, emulate as well, basically, because it, it needs that fucking uh, cartridge for it to do the yeah, actual yeah. moves. In, in years from now, we'll start to hear a WarioWare conspiracy theory. <laughs> Drove somebody mad. They're like, I finally played all the games. I can I can know exactly which one's coming up next because they were all yeah, like, well, apparently there's apparently there's a WarioWare Gold for 3DS. This is a Game Boy Advance, though, right? The one you're talking about? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so my number three is Nights into Dreams on the Sega Saturn. I love that this game. Was, this was another one I was really excited for, but honestly, I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. I remember, <laughs> I remember if you wait on the start screen, this like cinema came up with like these kids playing basketball and like <laughs> you get taken to some other world and then the game starts and you're just like, I just had no idea what I was getting into. I remember being really excited about it because there seemed to be a lot of buzz around it, but mm -hmm. I had no idea it was going to be the type of control scheme it was or even what type of game it was. But I was just like, I need this because everybody says I need it. And so I bought, or my mom bought it for me, and I played it, and I honestly didn't get past the first level because I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" You're like, "What is this game?" It was so weird to me. Um, so that's my number three. My number two 
This one's sentimental. I've brought it up before. Haunting starring Polter Guy. Yeah. Um, just because I'd never played when it, this on Sega Genesis, and uh, I've never played a game like this where the premise was to like jump in and out of objects in order to create haunts that scare people out of different rooms and ultimately out of the house, and then they move or you do you haunt other families or whatever. I forget exactly what it was. There's like little stories that go along with each family. You like haunt them from a couple of different houses and then another family but all the scares are really cool and it's like it was so different because i'd just been used to bit playing probably like 2d platformers mostly because i feel like that's just kind of the general game i was attracted to uh early on kind of like a similar easy shoot and point and shoot kind of game but uh yeah haunting was like it was like three quarter view you know different whole different concept to wrap your head around um what uh what system is that for sega genesis Haunting? Okay. The yeah, the haunting starring Polter guy, <laughs> and he's like a oh, punk, he's gotcha. like a punk rock zombie ghost. <laughs> like, they should Polter either make guy. a movie or they got to reboot that shit for next gen consoles. Uh, lap it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my number one pick is Jet Grind Radio. Um, nice. So for my last two picks, were like you know pretty decent games. Well, Knights was decent. They were all good. Well, Seaman was weird. Um, but Jet Grind Radio, just because again, that's another one that was just like this strange concept where I'm like, what the fuck? And another, an honorable mention is uh, Crazy Taxi. I'm like, well, you know, what the fuck? I never thought of, you know, I'd only played Driver or the Die Hard, <laughs> Die Hard with the Vengeance games, you know, at this point, or, you know, it was so. Anyway, Jack Ryan Radio was cool with the you, you're doing graffiti as your like main objective, and then you're on like these rollerblades and shit, and there's like funky ass music playing and all kinds of crazy like anime inspired Japanophile or Japanese inspired cultural kind of like characters and fun wacky sets and rails and shit. Point based advancement. You gotta be a fruit booter to like that shit, though, bro. <laughs> oh, damn. Not specifically. <laughs> and hey, I'm a natural in rollerblades. Just we'll just. I've seen people know. play that game, and there it's always like the same two levels I've ever seen. Yeah, that's the thing too. That's another one where that's where it gets too weird. Is when you're like, ah, all right, <laughs> because I've remember not getting too far in that game either. Pilot Wings is another honorable mention. Oh, Pilot Wings, great. Is that 64 Pilot Wings? or Yeah, 64. 64 okay. is the only one I played, I think. That's my list, you mother truckers. Oh, sweet. Okay, so I got Oddworld Stranger's Wrath for the Xbox. Um, I was only uh, really... I only knew, like, Abe's Odyssey, the first one, and I kind of played <laughs> it. I was like, meh, not really my thing. And I was like, what's this weird Western game? Uh, you have a crossbow. You shoot, shoot uh, little furry animals that are like your friends to kill people. Um, it was really weird, but awesome. And like the story when it all comes, when it comes to its conclusion, is pretty sick too. And I was, I always wonder why they didn't make a sequel to it. But it seemed kind of weird for them to make a first-person shooter game after the Abe's games, since they were like mm-hmm. side scrollers. And I was like, oh, this is weird. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that ride. Uh, second is. Not the spider Joey's talking about, but this little like iOS game called Spider: The Secret of Bryce Banner, and uh, mm-hmm. you're a little spider and you fight like hornets and shit, but you're also solving a mystery at the same time of why this family moved out. Like mm-hmm. as the player, it's weird, but it's really fun. Uh, you just move your finger back and forth, like jump, you catch stuff in a web, but there's a mystery under everything, like why this family disappeared or something. I never finished it, but it was just a weird premise to me, like. Well, 
I mean, I could just be a spider doing normal spider things. I don't really need a murder mystery behind me. Like, I just thought it was weird that you're a spider being a detective. Um, number three is Katamari Damacy, because that game's fucking weird. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, when that game first came out, I don't think anybody knew what the fuck was going on. I just roll yeah. shit up. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, then you roll over people and dogs are barking as you murder them, basically, to make planets. Weird. Uh my number two is Deadly Premonition. I was working at a game store slash record store in Chicago, and we just, it was one of the new games that came in, and I think it came out for like 20 bucks. And I was looking, I was like, this looks terrible. And everyone's like, don't get it. And I'm like, this is going to be so good. So I bought it, and it's terrible, but it's so fucking weird. Apparently, it was so like Twin Peaks that the developers of it had to change everything because they were going to get sued. Um, but it was like a passion thing. Like they were just huge Twin Peaks fans. Um, it's just weird. All the ghosts, male or female, make the same noise. Um, the driving in it's like almost like real time driving. So if you have to go like twelve miles, it feels like twelve miles or something. You're just like <laughs> yeah. driving for fucking ever in it. Um, and it's kind of a Twin Peaks murder mystery kind of thing with like Juon type ghosts in it. <laughs> It's fucking weird, what is but it? it's a deadly premonition. They released oh, it for yeah. PS3 yeah. too, like as a director's cut. Cause there's like stuff they had to like cut out for the Xbox release. Yeah. Um, but that game was really hard, but really fun to watch as you played it. People watching you being like, what the fuck's the point? What's happening? <laughs> Why are you doing these things? But like driving, like, cause the town was really spread out and you'd have to drive and you would talk to someone like in Twin Peaks when he talks to, uh -huh. oh God, I fucking forgot her name. Uh, you know who he's talking to on his tape recorder the entire time uh, in Twin Peaks? Like Alice? No, I forget. No, yeah, it's Anne? like I, something like that. I don't remember, but you also do the same thing. So in your long journey, there's no music. It's just you talking to this person. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Um, I highly recommend if they have, like, if you can find it, play it. It's just like worth the experience of being so bad. Like it's like watching. It's like the B horror movies of gaming. This game is, and I don't think anyone else has made any game like this. Uh, my number one pick is a game called Revolution X. It was an arcade game. Oh yeah. I don't. Oh, yeah. Okay, and you had to basically save Aerosmith. <laughs> got at these like fucking rogue agents who kidnapped Aerosmith, and yes, Aerosmith did do the soundtrack, and yeah, it was badass. But fucking weird. You shot CDs out, right? Yeah, you shot CDs yeah. at the guys who were shooting you with guns. <laughs> yes, I, I remember. I played it several times. Yeah, oh, dude, I love that game, dude. But it made no sense. I was like, what the fuck is happening? I don't think uh, I ever paid attention to the story, actually. I, like you describing it now, it's like, oh, that was the story. <laughs> dude, I didn't know that as a kid. I was like, I'm shooting CDs at bad guys, and Aerosmith's my soundtrack? Shit. Take another <laughs> dollar of my, my allowance money, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh... Um, yeah, I just read that, that there was like a whole plot behind it. Like they kidnapped Aerosmith and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but, and then my runner up is a game called Rez. Uh, Jacob Cholak yeah. introduced this to me. Oh my it's God. A, it's like a shooter, but a music game. It's really weird, but it's really fucking good too. So I didn't want to include it sort of because I really enjoy it a lot, but it's very interesting. Very weird. Uh, I think the one Jake put it in. He's like, this is going to look weird. And it's like, you're like wireframe to start. And then the further you get, your body gets more shit on it. That was Polybius, bro. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> um, they did. There's a, you can download a version of that game or someone's just made up a game that's like 
from the stories of that um, Polybius game. You can, there's a, yeah, no, there is. You can. I, it's $15. I almost bought it just to be like, I just, this isn't going to be uh, anything like what people played or might not have played, whatever. But I'd be interested just to play a game like that and have it on my PS4. <laughs> but yeah. that's my list. I think we all had really good lists, and I don't really feel like... I mean, Katamari made it into a couple, but mm-hmm. that's good. I feel like everyone's played, like, it was fun because we've all kind of played these weird games. And then, like, learning of new games that are weird, they were like, ooh, now I want to check that out. Yeah. I was looking up Deadly Premonition just now, too. Oh, dude, that's fucking weird. B-movie of game, that's a good way to put it. Like, I, I think I had that on my PlayStation 3. Like, it was a, it was free one month. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I mean... It should have been. Yeah, it should have. I mean, I would get the PS now if it was uh, on that, just to finally beat that game. Oh yeah. But I'd have to do it in like the seven day. How many? Tri- What's the trial period for that now? I, I have no clue. I hope it's a month. All right, where's that upgrade review? Give it to me. So I went and saw upgrade uh, this weekend. And it's directed by Lee Wanell, which uh, is the creator and director of Saw and the Saw series. I don't, I don't think he directed them all, but he's definitely like producer, uh, yeah. creator. Um, it is starring Logan Marshall Logan, Green. Logan Marshall Green, exactly. Um, I yeah, I, I've watched. Um, he's in a show called Damnation. Yeah. On uh, AMC, FX, USA. USA, USA. USA. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he's like he looks he looks almost like Tom Hardy, uh, like they kind of have the same look but act completely different. It's yeah. weird. Uh, I mean, of course they would. Um, but it's set in, like the near future. Um, there's you know technology everywhere. Like uh, this one guy. Um, he is just a regular old dude. He like works on cars. He works with his hands. He's like, why are you guys using those widgets? Like, you know, he's just very much like an old school, like dude, while everybody else is like, you know, driving in like, you know, uh, driverless vehicles and, you know, very like, uh, futuristic stuff. Um, and it's, it's a sci-fi action film. Um, this is definitely like a story you've seen before, but they show like a lot of different like cool elements as far as like the way this guy sort of how he fights, um, you know, sort of like, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty violent, like not super violent, but there's some, there's some scenes where you're like, Oh wow, this, this is a little much. Um, but like it has a, you know, it has some like cool, like little twists and turns in the film. Um, and if you, if you've seen the trailer and you're like into this film, like, I know like Bloomhouse like kind of has like, you know, Happy Death Day and the Purge and maybe you're not necessarily like into those but like hey, they did get out. This is definitely sort of in between those. Um it's a fun movie. It's like it's like I said, some cool action, some cool like tech, like sort of futuristic stuff in there. Uh it's only it's only like an hour and a half, hour 35 minutes. Uh, sweet. But uh, yeah, it's, if you if you're interested in seeing it, definitely go check it out. Uh, it's a fun time. What are you laughing at? Oh, sorry. 
<laughs> you're laughing at something else. You're fucking checking some other fucking website. I got a funny text. I apologize. <laughs> oh my god. I didn't even know this movie was <laughs> out, man. And yeah, I'm, yeah, really I'm excited to see it. There was definitely like no. I saw the trailer somewhere. I don't know if I it it, somebody had sent it to me or if I saw it in a theater somewhere. But like I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, cool. I'd like to see that movie when it comes out. If it's like you know, if I'm hearing good buzz. But then like it just like came out. It was like, oh hey, here I am. Like no promotion, no. I don't even know if there's like a billboard in L.A. There's got to be one somewhere. But somewhere. It just like yeah, somewhere. It just but yeah, it just came out. Uh, I don't think really much else came out this week. Right. Yeah. I think, they wanted to let Solo have more time, although it doesn't seem like it, it needed much time. Yeah, yeah, it didn't definitely go up at all. Twenty-four million. Um, yeah, but uh, it, it has time to kind of slow burn. But I, yeah, I, I kind of wonder what um, is going to happen with these t- those type of films. Not to get into that yet, but anyway, upgrade. If if you think you'll like it, definitely go check it out. It's a fun little fun little film. I like the trailer a lot, and seeing James Wan on Twitter say he loved it as well, it makes me even more excited too. So I, I'm definitely interested. Yeah, yeah me tomorrow. too. I like violence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to see that arm gun thing or whatever the fuck he uses. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Right? That seems yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So I was, I kind of got into it. We had to get super into it, but. Just kind of like seeing the the numbers on Solo. I mean, I guess is it considered a flop? Is that the idea at this point? I think that it will not make its money. It, but a flop is like a like a huge failure. I, I would that's how I would define a flop. It's not a huge okay. failure, but it's uh, probably not going to break even. Yeah, Disney will be fine. Um, yeah, but yeah, I wonder how it's going to. I mean, I, I, it doesn't seem like it's changing anything as far as like, hey man, there's a there's a Boba Fett film. There's a who was the other dude that's got a film that doesn't need a film, but they're going to do it anyway. Bosk. Well, the, the cousins are they're Bosk. riding Bosk? the cousins. He's the lizard bounty hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Does he? Okay. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't need a film. Benicio del Toro. Does he talk? Does Boss talk? He goes ah. You know what I mean? Is he just, that's he exactly know. that's what he does. Everybody's just like, just give me anything. I'll, I'll I'll give me a Star Wars movie. It'll be great. Like have him be in have him be in the Boba Fett movie and have them be like his crew or some shit. Or they're like they're all trying to get movie. the same. They're all trying to get the same bounty, but they're fighting each other over the bounty. Like I don't need Bosch doesn't need his own film. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was episode 130 of the Superhouse Podcast. Thanks again, Shasta. And if yes. you want to also be like Shasta, check out patreon.com slash superhousepodcast. Or are you going to say, uh, was that Joey? Give me some money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, this is Andrew signing off. Joey signing off. See you. This is Maddie. Bye-bye. Excelsior! This is Stefan from the Superhouse Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Patreon, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other godforsaken social media outlet that we that we should be floating on. We are basically on all social media. <laughs> yeah, all social media. Mainly Facebook and Twitter and Patreon. Check out the links in the description. 
We have uh, a lot of uh, cool goals uh, set up on our Patreon. Like if you donate a dollar, you'll be able to uh, give us a topic for us to talk about. And that's we'll talk dope. about for maybe an hour or more. Who knows yeah. how long it'll take. And that's pretty tight. <laughs> that's the coolest thing. <laughs> Wait, we're on the internet? That's pretty good. <laughs> if you and we can make money. <laughs> what? <laughs> if you donate $1,000, you get full frontal nudes. We haven't set that up, but it's a possibility. If you give us a grant, who knows what will happen. Check us out. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> you get to go on a date with one of us for $10,000. <laughs> but you pay for everything. <laughs> you get to have your way with Maddie for $20,000. I'm a million on For $30,000, we'll help you hide a body. Check out our Patreon. <laughs> Superhouse Gigolo Project. 2018. <laughs> Links in the description. <laughs>